It's the Paddleroo Podcast. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Paddleroo Podcast. I am your host, Eric Antonson, and today's guest on the show is Evelyn O'Doherty. Uh, Evelyn is the online editor at Stand Up Journal, taking over for Adam Champagne in the last little bit. And uh, it's good to get to know her on the show. How are you today? I'm doing so good, Eric. It's so great to catch up with you. I'm, I'm honored to be a part of your broadcast. Well, it's exciting to have you on. Um, give us a little background on your entrance into the stand-up world. Your, I think you were a surfer uh, first, and then you moved to stand-up. Give us some some background on you. Yeah, so I... Uh... So I learned how to surf pretty late in life. I was um, probably about 36 when I first got on a surfboard and, and uh, the bug bit pretty, pretty strong. Uh, and I wound up um, sort of changing my life around in order to spend more time on the water. <laughs> I, at one time I was a public school teacher out here in New York and loved it. And after I learned how to surf, I just really wanted to connect more with the outdoors and and I uh, just couldn't, I couldn't be contained, you know, by the, by the walls, you know, and the structure of the school system. So took a big chance, you know, at the beginning of that big economic downturn we had probably about six or seven years ago and uh, stepped out, you know, and, and started spending more time in and around the water and getting involved with a local surf shop where, you know, I, I began giving lessons and coordinating events for them. Uh, it's been a great ride. You know, it was a big lifestyle choice that I made and I'm super stoked I made it. I've never looked back since, you know. So from from those days, uh, you know, from when I was just sort of working in the shop, doing whatever needed to be done, things have progressed. And now I, I sort of run my own show. You know, I have my own company with surfing and stand-up paddling and I'm a stand-up paddle racer here in the Northeast and, uh, you know, just having a good time with it, doing a lot of traveling, a lot of retreats and, uh, loving every minute. That's awesome. It's so beautiful to be able to work within your passion. Um, yeah, I'm hoping we could talk about this. Yeah, we'll (laughs) talk about that a lot. That's a commonality we share. Um, so what was the transition from surfing to paddle surfing? How did paddle surfing grab you or did it go to racing first and then to paddle surfing? No, I, it's a, it's kind of a cool story. I, you know, as a surfer and as a sort of a newbie surfer, um, then and even now, but, uh, you know, I, I thought I would never stand up paddle surf. Like it was, it was, I was definitely a purist. I was never going to touch a stand up paddle board in the lineup. Why and was that? What, what, summer, what was it? What were your what were your thoughts towards stand up at that point? I like to hear this. Um, I was well, I you know just getting into surfing and and was obsessed, you know, like we all can get with with just that, you know, and all I knew was sort of the general uh you know vibe out there against stand up paddlers in the lineup. And I, you know, I was so happy on my longboard, you know, it, you know, I had no reason to have to even consider it. And so I was, I was sure that I was just never going to, never going to stand up paddle surf. No, not me. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a limited viewpoint for sure. Um, and I had never tried it. 
Did you have and, a negative perception of stand up at that point, or was it just something that you didn't feel like you needed? Uh, good question. It was just something that I didn't need. Okay. You know, I was I was so happy with my sort of path trajectory as a surfer that I I never even saw it as something that I would I would step into. So you yeah. weren't a hater. So I came from the point where I was I was basically a, a hater for a long time on stand ups, and that was because my exposure <laughs> to stand up was guys on 11 foot boards, which if I'm being honest, I still hate <laughs> that didn't change. Right. right on. You know, um, mm-hmm. if, if you can't actually surf the board, I can't call it surfing. And so I think that maybe there's an, uh, it's okay to, to, to get into the sport at that place. But if that's where your end point is, then, um, that's tough for me to, to understand unless there's some sort of physical limitation there, which then I completely understand. And, and any time in the water is better than not being in the water. So, so when did you first, when were you first exposed to paddle surfing? So, so one summer, uh, I wound up, I had a a really bad neck injury. Like I had a, a bone spur in the back of my neck and, and a nerve was getting fired. That was excruciatingly painful. I mean, every day was like a, a huge ordeal. And it was summer out here in the Hamptons and I couldn't surf because I could not, I could not arch my back. I could not, you know, have that sort of lift of my chest to, to pop up off the board or even a paddle. It was just, it was completely out of the question. And I was miserable. Like I was just a miserable person walking around, you know, watching everybody else doing something that I, I just wanted to get out there in the water and it was, uh, it was rough, you know, and I went through about three quarters of the summer that way. And then uh, a friend of mine who owns this surf shop here in East Hampton sort of got sick of it, you know, sick of watching me do that. And he was like, you need to try stand up. Like you need to get out on the water and try something, you know, even though you can't surf. And, um, I, you know, I was low enough sort of in my sort of physicality and my spirit that I, I agreed. And, uh, you know, and he took me out on a great tour from Ditch Plains and Montauk all the way out to Montauk Point, which is probably about a four mile trip and just along some absolutely iconic and gorgeous coastline. And and the trip was anything but easy. It was like a swelly kind of windy offshore. You know, we battled it for four miles. But uh, the challenge of it was fantastic. And I was blown away by what the visual was out there seeing, you know, the cliffs from the water and, and, uh, just the sea life. We saw a bunch of sea turtles and it was just, it was absolutely amazing. And so I loved it. So after a little bit of doing that, like that summer, just getting out on the water a little bit as a paddler, one day I, I took my board out. Um, I took my board out at ditch and under sort of, everybody was watching me and they're like, you are not to go near those waves. And I was like, no problem. I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm just getting out on the water here. And I got out on the water and I made the turn where I know nobody could see me. And I went and I found like a little break. (laughs) And and I will, I will not forget ever that first wave I took off on my standard paddleboard because it was like, it, it just, it struck me to my very soul. Like here I was, starving for us just for surf for the experience for the glide you know for the moment and i took off on this little left you know over by dirt lot in uh in montauk 
And as I dropped in and I turned left, the sun was like beaming from that, from the West right down into my face. And it was golden gorgeousness and just the feeling of finally like sliding into a wave again, just, you know, set my heart on fire, you know, an absolute fire. And so after that, I, I started stand up paddle surfing because I couldn't lay down at the moment. And and uh, loved it, you know, from the beginning, just was so grateful, so unbelievably grateful for uh, an alternative. And what wound up happening, and this is the cool part, is the strength that I developed in my core that summer from paddling and then getting in the water to paddle surf actually lifted the, um, sort of lifted my posture, lifted my torso, and it relieved the pressure on the nerve on my neck. And in the end, what, where I thought I was going to have to have some kind of crazy surgery fusion, because of the, the core strength I developed, it just it went away. And so for me, you know, stand-up paddle surfing isn't just a, a sport. It's like, man, it's the great healer. <laughs> and so now can you surf prone again too? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm, I'm 100% back. Yeah, I'm surfing so prone. I'm surfing stand-up. You name it. Uh, so lucky. That basically is my path as well. You know, I had a, uh, I have a spondylolisthesis, so I've had a bad back for a long time, and I thought I was going to have spinal fusion surgery. I talk about it on the show yeah. from time to time uh, years ago. Foundation training brought me back to a bearable level. And actually, this week we're hosting uh, Eric Goodman uh, from Foundation Training comes in tonight. So we got that retreat next week, which is going to be awesome. It's like I've been looking forward to that for the last year. Um, cool. And... But then paddling has brought me back to a place where I just shortboarded. We had a beautiful swell last week, and I went down to what I think is the best wave in the country here, shortboarded like five days in a row all day, and I just I don't even feel it. Like that thought four or five years ago is just doesn't exist in my mind that I could surf for five days and not be sleeping in the fetal position, you know? Uh, yeah. Stand-up is yeah. an incredible healer like that. Yeah. Well, I think part of, you know, what I, what I hear and what I certainly have experienced is just the, the gratitude that comes when something is taken away and then you're able to come back to it, you know, is just, uh, is bottomless, you know? And I, I think it's awesome that you've had, you, you almost, you're on the same timeline as my, my injury and also the same, sounds like the same recovery. Yeah. Just, I mean, it takes uh, maintenance, but, um, you know, what's a shame though, in this conversation for me and for you is that without those injuries, I would not have given the sport a chance. And that's one of my goals with what I've been doing here, the progression project, paddle woo, the whole thing is trying to open up the minds of surfers to give the sport a chance before they have to, because it's not like I'm going to stop paddling now that I'm better and I can shortboard, you know, because I love exactly. paddling I mean, paddling. I prefer to shortboarding 80, 90% of the time. Um, but it's just that, Maybe it's the branding. Maybe it's the way that it looks. Um, there's an Eric. Uh, there's a foundation training shirt that says, um, "I don't care what it looks like; it just feels good." I feel like paddle surfing fits that mold as well. Um, why is it that right. people are so close-minded until they do it? But then, you know, once their mind changes, it's it, you know, it's permanent. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I'll, I think some of that is the same you know, Oh God, we can get, we can get really deep on it, but you know, I mean, there's definitely some of the same uh, mentality that, that sprung up between longboarders and shortboarders, you know, um, or even like skiers and snowboarders, you know, when, when something new comes along and, 
and allows, you know, someone to, uh, or more people to join the sport, join the exclusive tribe, you know, that's so there's a, like a sort of a negative perspective on the quote unquote outsiders, right? you know, and it's, you know, and I, and I do think, you know, in stand up paddle surfing, especially, um, you know, we have to be so careful out there because there are a lot of guys, you know, on those 11 foot boards, just dropping in and going straight and wreaking havoc in the lineup. And maybe that's their, their experience, you know, on the water and they're super stoked for it, which is, which is cool, you know, but at the same time, uh, you know, if they're not in control of their equipment or, you know, or they're just, you know, creating some, you know, just bad vibes out there by just, you know, going on the outside when, you know, and not sitting down and taking a turn when there's plenty of other people, you know, frothing the, the ride a wave or two. And, you know, it's, it's about that whole sense of stand up paddle surf etiquette, you know, and how important that is to, Oh my goodness, that everybody needs to be responsible, you know, for their own etiquette out there so that we can begin to change the vibe for, for sub surfing. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a believer in that. You know, one of the things I love to do is take women out to teach them how to sub surf out there. And, and we make a big deal about, you know, knowing the, knowing the rules of the lineup, you know, and how to behave out there in a, you know, an efficient and respectful manner, because otherwise it's, it's a nightmare. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't need those boards. I mean, I've been hit by a couple of stand up paddle boards out there, you know, and it's, it's, there are big boards out there. It's, it's risky. So, so as a little bit of everything, you know, I mean, but you could definitely think about, you know, stand up the, the hostility sometimes against stand up surfing is so extreme. Like it's just, it's just a wicked prejudice, you know? And I, and I always say that, like I've, I've got a couple of friends who are just so against it. And I, I ask them like what their view is on religion you know, because that's kind of the way they're coming at it. <laughs> it, like it they're is. So, they're so, you know, they're so evil. And I'm like, wow, man, like this is, this is intense. Like what's your, you know, what's your, what's your background philosophy and religion? And what do you think about the Lutherans or the Protestant, you know, whatever, you know, because, because it is, it's, a, it's like a deeply seated negativity that really has no real cause to be that heavy. <laughs> right. Well, it upsets the power balance. You know, I mean, it takes someone who hasn't put in the same amount of time and gives them an upper hand in an ecosystem that that has been cultivated over over years. And right. You know, and that's that's the hard part. And so it's funny because you don't see someone get the same level of animosity if they would have the same place in the lineup. Like I've been surfing with a lot of really incredible surfers at some, you know, crowded beaches and no one cares at all if somebody like any of the top guys uh, is catching waves because they would be catching those waves no matter what board they're on. But when someone who paddles right. out isn't, doesn't have that skill set and then they're taking waves, the people who have invested more time feel like they should have them. And then that's difficult. And you know, it's the funny part is, is that I love stand up and I can still feel a little animosity when I'm on a shortboard sometimes, depending on how people are treating the lineup. Like I had a situation, I had two interesting situations um, here recently that might be fun to chat about. Um, one of them, I'm at our main peak a couple, a couple weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. 
And there's a guy on a stand-up, a huge stand-up, probably a 10-something. And he's paddling out and catching the next wave. And he's doing it over and over and over again. And it's a pretty lully day. So he's getting like one of two wave sets, you know, three or four sets in a row. And I paddled up. I was like, hey, you know, you got to let some of these waves go through. People are starting to get a little bit annoyed. And he just kept doing it. (laughs) And so that was – that makes me upset because it is – creating it is solidifying the stereotype for everyone who was out there that day because they see right. the stand-up tribe as a as a tribe a separate tribe and so someone does that and it uh it, it reinforces that stereotype and it's tough to overcome that and so you know how do you deal with that when you see someone abusing a lineup are you are you vocal about it Oh my goodness. That's such a, such a heated question. So, <laughs> so out here, it, it, you know, but so out here, like I am one of a very few women that stand up paddle surf okay. and, uh, and, you know, and I, and I, I take that role seriously in how I conduct myself out there. Um, you know, very, I've got like really strong sort of, uh, guidelines that I follow, you know, and so when I see other people, if I see, and it's, uh, you know, it's usually some guy on a 12 foot board or something like that, who's sort of abusing the privilege. Um, I may not speak to him, which I, you're absolutely right. I, I should be speaking up, but it's just, it's a little tough as a woman, you know, because there's, there's, uh, plenty of aggression out there and there's, you know, it's just, a, it can be a little tricky for a woman to, come down on a guy about his, his surf etiquette. <laughs> but, you know, but what I generally tend to do is I, I make it known, you know, like I'll make it known that the guy is, is, um, you know, sort of surfing outside his bounds or if he's, you know, in the middle of a, of a peak, you know, where there's kids or something, you know, I'll just, you know, I'll say like, we got to watch the kids or you got to hold on to your board or, you know, something kind of simple, you know, not getting into the, the, um, sort of the details of what, of what he's doing. And then I just warn other people around him. I'll just say, you know, watch that guy, watch that guy, you know, he's not, he's not in control or watch that guy. He's, he's going straight. You know, you don't want to run into that board and, you know, and try and handle it a little bit that way. Um, I do wish for all the time though. I mean, I, you know, I, I surf out here in the summer. It's, it's ditch plains and Montauk, which is a mad house. It's an absolute, there is no, <laughs> there is no law out there whatsoever. And, uh, you know, and I do wish there was some regulation in the break for stand up paddle surfing, you know, cause in the summer I only go out there if I'm on my sup, I'm only go out there from like six to eight thirty in the morning. And then I'm out of there because it's just too much. It's too crowded. I do not want to be a part of that mayhem that ensues, you know, and then I'll come back at sunset, but I, I won't surf in the middle of the day for that. Um, So that's kind of the way that I handle it. Um, You know, maybe, maybe it is time or figuring out some way to, to verbalize, um, you know, verbalize the next step, you know, telling people that they can't take every wave or, or whatever. But it's just, again, it's, it's hard out here because there is no law, you know, there's nobody regulating that break. Right. And, and I feel like I should say something here too, because I feel like we've been a little bit harsh on, or I've been a little bit harsh on folks on on really big boards. And there is no issue with starting out on a big board. The issue that I have 
is when someone is fully content to just dominate a lineup on an 11-0 and they don't actually care about how they're surfing. They're just out there to catch as many waves as they can. And that is what really irks me. And that's what irks surfers as well is um, someone who cares, who's riding the big board and stays there just to be able to to have the wave count and, and snag waves off of other people. Um, but you've got to well, start I mean, somewhere. I hear, I hear that. And, yeah. I, you know, I think those people, whether they be men or women, right, who do that, and just going back to what we were saying before, is um, they they come into the game as a stand-up paddle surfer because anybody who's worked their way to, to stand-up paddle surfing through surfing doesn't do that. No, you know, I disagree. Because we know what it's like to be, you know, to be down on the water, sort of navigating people with a paddle in their hand. Well, I, I actually disagree so, with that point because I feel that the, the worst ones that I know are people who are surfers who feel entitled to the lineup, who have moved to stand up and don't care about the art of the sport. It is just a board to let them catch more waves and sit out farther than everybody. Um, and it's a demographic. It's it's generally an older guy in the 50s yeah. or 60s who's not catching the waves on the shortboard, who has been frustrated for a little while. He's probably upset that other people are surfing better than him and is just out there to 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 kind of aprovechar, as they say in Costa Rica, take advantage of um, the situation. Right. And so I think that people who don't know, who are new to the sport, are receptive as soon as you tell them. Um, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen a, a, a kind of a, a, um, a stubbornness once you've once right. I've said Good something word. to somebody mm-hmm. who who's new to the sport. They're like, "Oh, I didn't know," and then they're really respectful. It's the guy who feels like he's got something to prove or is upset. And those are also, and the interesting part, those are also the guys who generally don't like the sport as much. Who get who who are the most uh, angry in the water is like the same exact demographic: older, not catching as many waves, frustrated, and then projecting that anger somewhere else. Which is an interesting. And those are the guys who would benefit the most from a stand-up, which is the ironic part. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, but I mean, you know, I always feel about people like that is they're. It's not just in the water that that's how they behave. No, it's not. <laughs> not at all. Like yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's funny because I did while you, while we were talking earlier, I made a note of thinking about like the older surfer. You know, that's who really gets into that. It's the older surfer who gets frustrated because he's you know whatever he's just being out paddled by some groms, you know, and he's not catching as many waves as he used to. You know, transfers to to sub surfing. Um, but still, there's no excuses. You know, there's no excuses for poor behavior and 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 you know hogging waves like that and you know. It's, uh, it's, it's a bit, you know, it's a bit like bullying in the lineup, you know, and there's just, there's no reason for that whatsoever. You know, I've, uh, you know, I try when I'm out there or if I'm in a new break, you know, I, you know, I try all the things that I've heard, you know, just sitting on the shoulder for a while or sitting down on my board and trying to create conversations and, you know, just really being like super duper respectful and especially, you know, especially because as a woman, you know, if I go to places like Puerto Rico where it's like super male dominant, like you have to kind of like gentle your way in there to be able to even to get a wave, you know, and uh, and how all of those 
how all of those skills are, you know, are really necessary. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a funny topic, you know, I mean, in certain breaks, it's not such a big deal to see a stand up paddle surfer, but in others it's, you know, it's tough. You know, you've got a rough road to, to, um, you know, to travel. And, and I'm definitely not, you know, like on the level of being able to just show people once I show up up there, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be like pulling airs and, you know, and, and making everybody stop in their tracks, but I'm, I'm but I'm out there cause I'm, I'm loving it and I'm a surfer and that's where I belong. Right. So, you know, navigating the, the mindset is, is, is something, I guess it's really, it's about vigilance, you know, like every, every moment we set foot on the water, we're, you know, sort of being ambassadors for, you know, a sport that we love and just to remember that no matter what. Absolutely. And I think in the future, there's going to be a meld of, surfing and stand up. I I mean, it's the same thing in my mind. You know, it's, it's funny that it's compartmentalized right now to me because my son who, you know, surfs with me most days, it's the same thing to him. It's, it's, he doesn't see a difference in surfing and paddling. He just shows up and he's like, Oh, today looks like a great day to paddle because he knows he's going to have more fun or today is a great day to surf because he doesn't want to deal with the paddle when it's bigger. And I think that's where everything's headed. It's just going to take a generation to get there for people to lose the mindset. Um, all right, let's transition a little yeah. bit. Let's trans. You are a teacher. I, I have two mm-hmm. topics that I'd like to discuss with you about that. One is the decision to leave teaching to pursue your passion. I feel like so many people teeter on that decision and they can't get over it. What helped you actually take action on something that was incredibly risky, especially probably being a teacher where you live, like there's, there's probably a whole lot of security in doing that. How did you make that decision? And have you ever looked back? Kind of, kind of talk us through that whole, um, process. Yeah. So when I, when I started teaching, I thought that was my, like, that was going to be my vocation. You know, I, I sort of, that was, that's just what I was going to do for the rest of my life. I never imagined that I would leave it. Um, you know, and then I, I, you know, and I was, I was good at it, you know, like it was, I was super successful as a teacher and, and the kids loved the kids, you know, all that was great. And I definitely hit some roadblocks. Uh, and I, you know, I sort of laughingly attribute it to surfing because that's really where my career pretty much went down the hill is after I learned how to surf. And I just, uh, it was, it was the, it was one of the hardest decisions I've ever made to, to leave that career, leave that system. But what I began to realize was over time, like I wasn't, I wasn't being true to myself, uh, in the four walls of the public schools where I was, you know, currently inhabiting because because of a lot of reasons you know you get pulled in a lot of different directions as a teacher you're asked to sort of uh you know sort of create a certain model for kids and and uh you know in new york you know there's a lot of teaching to the state tests and you know and all of that so there was that going on where i felt like i was sort of bumping up against this structure that i didn't believe in and then on the other side was this this huge draw, you know, where I'd been taught the sport that I just, that had just stolen my heart. And like, I was just thinking about the ocean and what does the ocean look like today? And maybe I can get down there at lunch and just take a look at it. And, and what's the swell forecast and maybe after school. And, you know, so I was sort of being pulled in one direction while I was, while I was hitting all these roadblocks in the other. And, 
And in the end, for me, like I just had to, I'm a meditator and a yoga, you know, practitioner. And, and I just spent a lot of time really sitting with it and trying to find why this conflict was sort of tearing me up a bit. And, uh, you know, and in the end, it was just I needed to become, for me, I needed to come into like a stronger alignment with what I believed in, like what I wanted to offer others. And, you know, and part of it was this, I didn't feel like I was being of the best service I could be to these kids. And that, you know, that's the most important reason why you're there as a teacher is to serve the kids. And, and I wasn't able to do that because of the framework sort of I was set in. And so I wasn't being authentic, like I wasn't being true, you know, in front of that classroom. And I, and I didn't want to be that person. I didn't want to be the teacher in the front of the room, which kids, you know, are so much smarter than we are. You know, they sit there and they watch you all day long. They know what you believe in and what you don't. Like they are, they're able to spot it a mile away. And, and uh, I didn't want to be up there spouting a, a rhetoric that I didn't really believe in. And so, you know, I took a chance and, you know, what, what happened for me in the end was I was just getting really down, you know, I just couldn't keep going in the direction that I was going in, in my career. Cause I kept sort of like having these just like down periods where I just knew that I wasn't moving in the direction that my heart wanted me to anymore. And, and so I was able to, you know, talk it over with my husband and, and he understood how ha- unhappy I was you know, with the school system. And he knew that my heart was just, you know, just wanting to do something else. And, and, you know, specifically, you know, around the outdoors and being near the water. And, uh, and he just said, okay, let's try it, you know, and I took a few, it took me a couple of years to come to the choice. And I banked, you know, as much money as I could, so that when I stepped away, I didn't have to rush to find anything. And, uh, and it just, just so happened that that summer, um, as soon as word got out that I had left my job, I'd left my career, my friend who owns the surf shop, like sort of arrives, you know, in my face pretty quickly, like within a couple of weeks and was like, I want you to come down to the surf shop and work, you know? And, and to me, that was like a perfect segue. I was like, great. It's a, it's a sort of a, a, you know, a movement towards what I'm, I'm feeling, you know? And, uh, so I just, I, I took the leap and, you know, Eric, it's a, it's a huge lifestyle choice. And I, I feel like I have more conversations about this, uh, more and more as, as time goes on, like people who are in their jobs and they're not happy and they're not sure what they want to do next. And, you know, and I always, I always tell people like, it, it's a lifestyle choice. So it's, it's not about, you can't make it about your the money, you know, because you're probably going to walk away from the security. You know, you're going to walk away from the financial security and into a different lifestyle, you know, and how much is that worth for you? How much is your, you know, your day-to-day existence and what it looks like and being able to carve out a new um, career for yourself, you know, like you're, for me, I mean, I, I walked away from quite a bit, you know, in terms of my income and my insurance and the pensions, you know, all that stuff. And, but, you know, you don't know what's going to happen from day to day. You know, I mean, I've had so many friends, you know, get sick and suddenly they can't do what they want to do. And, you know, so we don't know. So I took a chance to just be, be living to my fullest potential now, you know, not in 20 years when I retire. 
and uh, and that living in the now has become literally the the driving force of my life, and and I've I've never been happier, and it's definitely got its own stressors, you know, financially and sort of always recreating myself to to stay, you know, sort of current in what I'm doing, and and uh, but I take it I take it any day, you know, to be able to to sort of chart my own way than than do what I'm told and and not be doing what I believe in. And what I find myself doing today is I still teach, like I'm still a teacher, you know, it's just morphed, you know, it's no longer with 30 students in a classroom, but I'm, I'm a, I'm a yoga teacher. I'm a, you know, paddle instructor. I, you know, even the work I do with stand up journal online, I'm, I'm editing, you know, I'm, I'm working with other people's writing. I mean, that's what I did in the classroom. It's, it's amazing to me. And, uh, and I, you know, when I get my kid fixed, I, I work at a after school program right down the street from my house, you know, so it all kind of comes full circle and, and, uh, you know, the lifestyle choice, hundred percent, you know, the fact that I can leave my desk and go look at the water when I need a, you know, a, a break is worth to me, you know, every penny. So happy, um, happy, happy to have made the shift. What, what ages and, and subject matter did you teach? I taught eighth grade English um, for about uh, 10 years, nine years, something like that. Um, so so that age group is anywhere from 11 to 13. And then before that, I taught high school English, um, you know, ninth, 10th and 12th grade. So anywhere from like 15 to 18. Okay. Um, what correlations are there between teaching in a classroom setting and uh, teaching paddling. Do you bring a lot from the classroom into the ocean? How do you see the learning yeah. process? How do you build a paddler? Well, for me as a, as a school teacher, um, I always felt like one of my sort of one of my, I don't know what to call it. One of my insights, um, was that like, I try and teach, you know, I'd always try and teach children and not teach curriculum, you know, so it was more a matter of getting to know each and every kid on whatever level that they were ready to, you know, reveal to me and then working with them to find out what they were passionate enough about to inspire them to want to do some work, right? So, so that's what, that's what I love doing as a teacher, um, and then that way you sort of, you get to know the nuggets of people, like you get to know sort of their, the inner workings of their heart and what their minds think about and where they want to grow and be. And, you know, when they, when, as they progress. So it's really, um, you know, it's a, it's a relationship, you know, that you build. It's not just a, you know, sort of the structure of teacher and student. It's like you really build a, a much stronger foundation than that. And, and, you know, and today, you know, teaching, you know, stand up, I, uh, what I like about teaching certainly on the water is that it's, um, well, first of all, you're, you're starting with a, a commonality, you know, like people who come to the water to learn some kind of water sport are, you know, most likely going to be, you know, in some way, shape or form water people, you know, I mean, I've definitely, <laughs> definitely given the lessons to people who didn't want to touch the sand or the mud or the bottom or, you know, any of that. But so, you know, you have a commonality and, and I like the teaching of stand up because it's a lot more intimate. So it's not always these 30, 30 individuals, but maybe it's 
six, you know, or maybe it's two, or maybe it's just one-on-one. And, and, uh, and when I'm teaching even today, it's more about empowerment, which is what I also love to do with those kids it's about empowerment. It's about teaching a particular skill so that people can feel really good about themselves, you know, so they can feel strong and confident and, you know, have a little swagger in their step. So, you know, I had one of my, one of my great teachers in my life always said, you know, teaching is a hologram. You know, we, we have the curriculum, but we're not teaching curriculum. You know, we're teaching who we are and we're teaching what we love and we're teaching, you know, sort of to the, from soul to soul, you know, and, uh, and helping others rise up. And, and that's, that's what I love about, you know, whether I'm teaching stand-up paddle surfing or, or I do a lot of race training for people in my local community. And, and, uh, you know, we can talk about stroke technique all day long. Like I will geek out on that forever. And at the same time, I'm really just trying to, to allow people to build some skills so that they, you know, they hold their head a little bit higher and they have confidence out there on the water, you know, and they, they love it too. You know, you try and teach exactly. I've been given a huge gift in being able to live the life that I live, that I lead today. And I just want people to love the water as much as I do. So that's kind of the background to it. There's something, um, beautiful about having that spark happen when you see someone learn and then get that that thirst to learn more and it's cool one of the things that i love is that i've seen people approach and i work with private clients then i also run some retreats and the private clients that I've had the chance to work with over time, some of them are, you know, world-class at what they do and others are just very uh, excited about surfing, but to, to watch the, 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 the approach work its way out into other areas of their lives. I, I think that I, right. I really enjoy that where they're studying learning or they're studying, you know, other stuff, lifestyle, people I've worked with are making massive lifestyle changes based on that. And that's something that you just touched on there. I think that's really incredible that, and it's really the, the surfing and the paddling and the way of life that people go, wow, this is possible. I, this could be my life. I love right. this. Exactly. Um, and it's just fortunate that we found it and, you know, it's so cool. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think today, you know, without without even getting into any of you know the way the world is today but in in today's world in general like i think there's a huge shift that's happening it's just my personal perspective and and people that i see are no longer so interested in just working themselves to death you know just working and working and working so that they can squirrel away the the little nest egg and then retire like people just don't want to do that anymore they want a more fulfilling life, you know? And, uh, and so I, I see a lot of people questioning careers that once used to be, you know, vital for them and, and sort of, and looking to alternative lifestyles, you know, and, and that's certainly part of where I live. You know, people who leave Manhattan tend to move, if they're going to stay in New York, they tend to move out East here 
um, to find that lifestyle, you know, so I, I have a lot of conversations, but I just ran into a friend of mine down at the beach the other day who was in his, just got himself into his six, five, four wetsuit and he was going to go surfing. And he just, he just left the whole Manhattan scene. He just left it. He came out here. He's trying to figure out what's next. And he, you know, and he says he's going to do it through surfing. And, uh, and I do, I think, I think surfing is a, is a incredible segue and also, but also like a metaphor in so many ways for sort of, balancing or finding the the balance of of what we really feel is important right. and uh you know and and surfers surfers are a happy bunch of people yeah <laughs> for sure happy crew whether they're broke or not you know sometimes and, i think it might be easier to be broke <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, we call it, we call the lineup in the, during the week out there in the winter, you know, we call it the unemployment line. Oh, <laughs> here's the unemployment. <laughs> I like that. Um, so you're involved with a number of good causes and you're using your platform at Stand Up Journal to help them. Why don't you give a rundown of, of Stand Up Paddle Surfers doing good in the world and what you see the best causes are and ways folks can support? Oh, it's so awesome, Eric. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, a, a long time ago, I had a really good friend tell me they're like, they just said, you know, Evelyn, like you're on a path. It seems to be rising, you know, and just know that you you're being given a voice here, and you want to use your voice for good. And uh, and I and I've really listened to that, and it's been amazing. So so a lot of what I do is I just sort of either peripherally or, or really centrally, like I get involved in a lot of fundraising efforts. Um, out here and, and even globally um, that have to do with water sport events, you know, um, especially stand up paddling and specifically one of, I'm a, uh, one of the coordinators for a yearly surf contest out here in Montauk called the Rel Sun Surf Contest. And it benefits a local 501 that just uh, gives money to East end families that are struggling due to hardship because of some kind of disease in their family. So if somebody is sick or has cancer, you know, and can't work, the East end foundation can actually support the family, you know, in that time of need. And one of the cool things about it is it's not a, it's not, you're not separated from the people like the day of the Ralph Sun surf contest, everybody on the beach knows what family is receiving the money. And often that family is there giving, you know, being a part of the mix, like they're doing some volunteer work for the day. And so it's just really beautiful and intimate. And so when you're participating, you know exactly where your efforts are going, like your blessings are just, just, you know, there they are standing 10 feet away from you. And, and uh, I love that, you know, I love that. And, and, you know, and that's a huge successful event every year. And, and this year right now I'm planning um, a retreat with Chuck Patterson down in Rincon, Puerto Rico, around the uh, Rincon Beach Boy Race, um, which is which happens every year. This is its ninth year, and the Rincon Beach Boy Race raises money for children with autism. So, you know, I've gone down there probably for the last seven years for this event. It's one of the biggest Puerto Rican parties I've ever been to. Like, it just goes all day, all night. It doesn't stop. And one of the best parts of the day is when they bring the kids down, like they bring kids with struggling with autism down 
um, and they get them on paddle boards in the water. And, you know, and as a teacher and as a human being, I know that studies have proven that kids with autism respond really well to water, you know, and, uh, so this year, so Chuck and I are going to go down and do a series of race clinics, uh, prior to the event. And, and that money from the race, we're also doing a retreat and some other things, but the money from the race clinics, we're donating right back to, um, to the Rincon beach boy and those, and those kids, you oh, know, and, excellent. and I've just found that when, you know, when I do something like that, when I have some kind of participation on a heart level, um, wow, does that make, that's, does that make competing or participating like so much more fun? Like, it's not about winning. It's about what you get to do that day <laughs> by, by helping others and doing something that you love. I mean, that's it. That's the pinnacle of my life right now. Like, that's what I want to focus on. And uh, so far, it seems to be working. That is amazing. Send me a link to um, the race and the clinics, and I'll post that up in the show. Oh, notes. Eric, that'd be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks. No worries. Yeah. And there's also, we have one other event, the, uh, out in Montauk, we've just become a, um, a pilot, not a pilot program now, but <clears throat> the organization is called a walk on water and they're Malibu based, uh, surfers, right. Who also do surf, surf healing therapy for kids with disabilities. So it's not just autism, but down syndrome and, you know, any, you know, children with disabilities and they, they have, uh, uh, probably like six times a year, they have events now where they get the kids out on the water. And those guys, the walk on water guys came to Montauk two years ago for the first time to, to test, to kind of test the waters and see how Montauk would receive to their, receive their event. And uh, it just, it just did so well. <laughs> like the Montauk community, when it comes together as a tribe is unstoppable and that Montauk and our Montauk community came together and just hosted this event on a day that had six to eight foot swell. And these guys were taking these, these kids out there on, you know, or massive waves for them. And just, you know, they had the, the time of their lives. Like there was, there was no risks in, you know, security, no worries about whether these kids were going to be okay. They were completely in some of the finest surfing hands I've ever seen in my life. And, and so now the walk on water comes to Montauk every year in September. Like we're so stoked. We actually have a, a Montauk chapter of this amazing, you know, surf healing that, uh, that we get to participate in. There's, there's just so much, right. It's just, we, we can talk about that all day. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, we've got about five minutes left. Where do you want to take this conversation, Evelyn? I'll let you drive. I don't know. I mean, just sort of what jumps to mind is, you know, this, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of sort of Jerry Lopez and his whole philosophy on, you know, meditation and surfing and, you know, sort of how that, you know, how the surfing can inspire the meditation and meditation can inspire the life and, you know, and all of that. And, and I just, uh, had a moment the other day where, um, I was having a, had just a rough week, you know, just getting bounced all over the place and hitting a lot of walls and getting scared of certain things that are happening. And, and a friend of mine literally texted me from like Manhattan and was like, 
get out on the water. She's like, I don't care what it looks like. You need to get out of there. And I grabbed my board and, uh, you know, and I went paddle surfing and the, from the, and it was awful. Like the conditions were awful. And, uh, but the second that my feet hit that board, like I just remembered that nothing, nothing none of this stuff matters, you know, like none of this stuff matters <laughs> if, you know, if I remember to go with the flow, you know, and just show up. And sometimes the conditions are awful and that doesn't mean that you don't have a great session, you know, and, and I did, you know, I had a fantastic session and it wasn't just the surfing. It was the, the guy I met in the parking lot on my way into the water. It was the smile I shared with the other guy who was on his way in when I was heading out and, you know, and how surfing is just, uh, you know, it's a game changer, you know, and, and, you know, it's a mental mindset extraordinaire and, and, you know, sort of the last philosophy I'll spout at you is, you know, this whole idea of, you know, I read that book blue mind by, uh, by Wallace Nichols and, and how he talks about how people who spend their lives on or near the water tend to be, have a greater capacity for happiness. And uh, I think about this all the time because when I was when I was teaching and I was in the classroom and I was around concrete and chalkboards and smartboards and all that stuff, how I physically felt, and now how now that I'm I have a much looser schedule, but I have daily access to the water, whether I'm sup surfing or race training or whatever, how that affects me physiologically physiologically. And then also how that in turn turns my emotional balance, you know, to something greater. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm a believer, you know, that the more we're attuned, the more we're connected out there, you know, with uh, with the water, which is what I love, you know. And I'm, I'm a big advocate for, you know, keeping it keeping it safe and protected, you know, just the, the greater happiness that just that just is in life you know in my life and and uh i'm sure it sounds like you've you've been on some path similar to that um of your own yeah for sure and what a beautiful thought i mean the surfing i believe creates a receptivity because it's not your way you have to just fit into the environment and be incredibly water-like to do it at a at a good level and so i think that that ability to assimilate into a very dynamic environment um, carries with you out of the water makes you maybe a little bit you know easier to 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 fit in yeah exactly exactly i mean that's just you know we could just talk about that all day too (laughs) and maybe and and go get jerry you know (laughs) sit at his feet and see what he has to say about it yeah yeah well, Evelyn, thank you cool. so much for coming on the Paddleboo podcast. I appreciate it. Um, what a pleasure, it's been Eric! Great thank to get you to know so you. much, and you know, yeah, you too, you too. You've got me interested. I'm, I'm going to be on the website checking out, uh, checking out what you're offering. You know, I mean, wow, I, c- I could put together a group to come down and see you. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah, I'll be in touch for sure, for sure. But what you know, and what you're doing here with the podcast, I just I can't say enough about it. I think it's fantastic. So thank you so much for letting me participate. I really appreciate it. It's the Paddle Woo Podcast. <laughs>